Hello and welcome to StarK's webinar. We're here in the StarK head offices in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm Rabbi Tzvi Goldberg, uh, your host, and also today your guest. <laughs> and I have <laughs> Rabbi Bayer, uh, who's a regular on our show. Thank you, Rabbi Bayer, for coming on. Hello. Okay. Uh, if on, on, the, on the bottom right of your screen, you have a little chat box. If some people could chat with us just to let us know that you uh, you can hear us, we'd be appreciate that, just that we're getting out there. Um, I'm going to put up the phone number in case you can't hear. Okay. Abraham says he hears. Okay, so then we have a few people. Thank you very much. Um, we are... Uh, we are here on an actually split screen. Rabbi Byers in his office, I'm in mine. And um, and we hope that Mirta uh, Hashem, everything will go tech, techno the technology will uh, will, will be uh, smooth. Um, we have these webinars about once a month. And uh, if you signed up for this this webinar, we have you on our, our email list and you will be informed of of other uh, forthcoming webinars. When you when you sign up for the webinar, you get a, a, a link back, and sometimes it goes into spam uh, because the, the computers think that it's not something you asked for. So just look in your spam in case you don't get the uh, the link. Okay, so today, Rabbi Bayer, um, yeah. as the email uh, mentioned, we're going to discuss my trip to Peru, which is quite interesting. From my perspective, uh, I like to go out to these these far flung places for Kashris. Uh, so we'll do some tourism discussion at the beginning. Then the reason I went was really for a chocolate factory. We'll talk about the halachas of chocolate, kashering with chocolate, kashering chocolate, the bracha on chocolate. And then if we have time, we'll get to some interesting fruits that I had down there, and shechionu issues. Again, if anybody has any questions or wants some clarification, you have the chat box on the bottom uh, bottom right. Okay, so let me show you what I did not do, Rabbi Bayer. So the first part is sort of just fun, and then we'll get okay. to some, some halachas. Um, so I know, I know you flew like first class. Of, of course, that's the only yeah, way. We, that's of course, typically that you fly. I know, I know. Okay, this is on the screen. Uh, it was pretty neat to see this. This is, there is no non-stop from uh, Washington, Baltimore to Peru. Here's IAH, which is Houston. So I flew from Baltimore to Houston, and then Houston down to Peru. As you can see, it's it's pretty far. How, how, um, yeah, it's, it must be at least six inches there on the screen. <laughs> right, it's six inches. Yeah. Well, considering <laughs> that from here to here, where's Eretz Israel over here, over here, it's it, 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 the map is not to scale. And yeah, it's oh. it's like traveling to Israel, basically. It's the same. It so was, it's about it was about ten hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. It's a long and did flight. You have to wear a mask the whole time. You have to wear a mask the whole time, right, oh, brother? And not only that, Rabbi Bayer, but in 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 the airport in Peru, you have to wear two masks. And what? in some in some places, stores you go into, you have to wear two masks. Really? Mask agave mask. That's right. They tell you that when you come off the plane or before you yeah, come off the no. plane. Yeah, when you're off the plane in the airport, you have to wear two masks, right? Oh, and when I went through security, went through the immigration there, um, I must be missing something because I was, I was not the last person off the plane, but I was like the last person to go through. There's like sidelines, you know, people who are special. They go over here and over there, really? and and if you know somebody, and I, you weren't I, in the in the Jewish line, were you? <laughs> I just waited forever <laughs> to get in. Yeah. Um, so that was my trip down there. These these are things that I did not do. Actually, this is very famous. This is a oh. famous picture. It's called Machu Picchu. This is a lot of times people, yeah. people, uh, there are millions of people who go there the, to visit. From the Mayans or Mayans, right. depending how you pronounce it. Right. So uh, have you ever been there, everybody? No, no, I've never been there. Any of our no. listeners ever been there? It's it's uh, it's a world historic site. I'm curious if anybody ever went there. I think Rabbi got... Schumann, didn't Rabbi Schumann go? He might have. Yeah, Rabbi yeah. Schumann is, 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 is one of our colleagues who since retired. Um, and okay, they don't, they don't let me go to these cool places. I never What's get that? to go to. I never get to go to these really cool places. 
Okay, someone's telling us that the phone connection isn't working. I'm not sure why. We had some trouble with the phones. I'm not sure why that is. I'm sorry about that. Oh, it's the Incas, not the Mayans? I'm sorry. Oh, it's the Incas? Okay. All sorry. Right. Um, so this, uh, I don't know exactly, but there's some history about what was going on here and how they built the uh, the structures there. Uh, they were really incredible uh, like engineering feats. Uh, without modern technologies, people come and go. It's very, very high up. If you go to this place, you have to be acclimated to it. It's beautiful. Yeah, it, it is. Um, Andes, Andes Mountains. Yeah, and when I when so when I was planning my trip, I um, I thought you know maybe I'll take off an hour or two and go here, but it, do, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is four four hour drive from where I was, and then you have to make arrangements in advance. It would be a day. It's, it's, a, four, it's a four hour drive from Lima. Yeah, at least yeah. most people fly. I think I don't think it's really uh-huh. the good, a nice drive. I think they fly, right. and so I did not I did not go there. That was not on the schedule. And uh, another thing I did not go to was uh, any of these llamas. Oh. Oh. I did not see any anywhere I was at. They're really? Just not, they're not they're in not the like city. walking around the street. They're, not, they're not walking around no. the, 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 no, Lima, like the, the capital. Uh, no. I Are these kosher? Any. I don't think so. Are they? I, I don't know. I don't know. I never looked it up. Look it up while we're talking, everybody. Look it up. Okay, llama. I'm not sure. I, don't, I never heard that they are. I don't think so, but maybe. Is llamas two bit, L's or one L? One L. Gillian says it's not kosher. Okay, so. Oh, really? Yeah. I've no. I never heard that it would be, but um, anyway, I did not see any. They're not like, you know, walking around. Okay, so let's go now to this. Um, this is this is that's me. Yeah. And I couldn't tell, but that's uh, this is the shul that I was I was uh, davening at. Who's um, who's Sharon? Sharon, Beknesset <laughs> <laughs> Sharon. Okay. Yeah, Union Israelita del Peru. So that's the the Ashkenazi community there. Uh, this is where I was with with our mashkiach down there. And there's also a of, of course there's a, there's a Chabad there, and we should mention that uh, shocking, shockingly Rabbi Blumenfeld, who's the Chabad shliach there. Yes, for many well years. As, for many years, and as well as our mash, one of our mashkichim there, he uh, he was nifter suddenly um, two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and Very sad. I didn't. What's that? Very sad. Very sad. Yeah. I didn't meet him when I was there, but it was certainly discussed Chabad, and you know, we I, they told me I could get food there if I wanted. Um, and just to come back and to hear the next day that he was nifter was really a big shock, and I wish the family a nechama. Um, so this was the shul that 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 I, I was davening in, and uh, it's an Ashkenazic shul. And and, and uh, I mean, you can see here that the, what did you say? Oh, this is the inside. This is the inside. Really beautiful, nice, large, large shul. But you can see the chairs are, uh, you know, the COVID, uh, it's COVID style still. Right. And uh, unfortunately, people, it's not. People wearing masks in the shul. People wearing masks in the shul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the, the shul holds many people. He, the rabbi told me that on Yom Kippur they've had pre-COVID 800 people on Yom Kippur. Wow. The whole community, the whole Jewish community down there is only 3,000 Jews, inclu- uh-huh. including from and not from. So, you know, a large percentage of traditional Jews. But now because of COVID and it just it's down. I mean, we had a minion. For Shachris, I wasn't there for Shabbos, but in a week we had a minion, but, um, you know, just a minion. That's uh-huh. that, that's, that's in San Isidro. Uh, Gideon is asking where it is. That's the name of this area, oh. San Isidro, which is actually a very nice area. Um, probably, maybe they told me it's the nicest in, in Peru. Um, how long has the community been in Peru? How, how uh... Okay, so this Ashkenazi community, I have some history over here for you. Did I set you up for that question, Rabbi Bayer? <laughs> I'm reading off a little card here. Was that <laughs> <laughs> okay? So what's it, what was interesting is that mm. is that you know the the community that I was in they um, they look Sephardi and they some talk with a tough you know Sephardi Havara Sephardi Havara, but the Ashkenazim and in the in the early uh, 20th century. 
you can see here it says 1993, 1939. Uh, many of the Ashkenazim came from uh, Germany, Austria, wherever, Russia, Hungary, other European uh, areas. And so they're Ashkenazim and they established this Ashkenazic uh, uh, community. And uh, it was very interesting to, you know, to just to hear. Uh, I felt like the, the davening is like a Hasidic, is, is, is Nusuch Svard, like Hasidic Svard, like Vaidaber, uh, right? Oh, yeah. Shiramalot. So that's weird. So why is that? But it was very interesting that they're actually Ashkenazim and not, and not uh, Sephardim. Is that because the, the Rabbanim there have been Sephardim or something? No, because the, the, their grandparents were. Oh, why do they speak with that in that way? No, why do they have a Nusach Sephardim? Oh, because a... I think they learned like that in, in their school. Uh-huh. In the school, in the uh, I think the school is is yeah, school. I think they learn like it's that mostly run by Israel. Israelis, I mean, yeah, there, there are Israeli um shluchim that come from Israel, and yes, it definitely has that that flavor, um, and that influence. But no actually, there's no there at this point. No, no, okay, so let's take a look. There, there's no yeshiva there, is there? No, mm-hmm. no, just is, a day school. Day school, there's a day school, yeah. Is there a high school for girls or girls? I girls, don't girls? Think so I don't think so. Uh, what is this? Oh, that we just so saw. the kids after after day school they go straight into public school and I'm not sure where they go. I guess they go. I'm not sure. I Whatever. didn't really discuss that. Here is mm-hmm. now interesting thing about Lima is there's no there's no rain there, or Kemat no rain. There's no almost just like a mist. Sometimes they told me so. This is a 7-Eleven on the trip where we went down to the factory. This is a Seven Eleven. You can see it like a thatched roof. Actually, inside it's very nice. Is it really a Seven Eleven, or is it just like a? Convenience it's like store? A, no, it's not a Seven Eleven. It's a convenience oh. store um, with a restaurant. It was actually very, very high class, and but the thatched roof is just for show because they don't need. It doesn't rain, so they don't need uh, to protect from the rain. So where do they get water from? There's water from the the rivers there, uh, which come from the mountains. You're actually, even the locals don't drink water. So, like when you really? travel, when you travel to Israel, a lot of the tourists won't drink water, but the locals do. Here, even the locals don't drink the water unless it's filtered or boiled or something. Really? Water is, is not good quality. But that okay? That's just because of lack of technology or something. I don't know. I, I'm not sure why they. I mean, I'm sure they could get it, and maybe lack of money. Um, okay, hmm. so here. You, here on the side of the road as we're traveling see these like little sukkahs <laughs> and they don't have any uh there's no there's no roofs on them again they can live like this people who are homeless they go and they build these little things because there's no rain so they i was told that they squat they squat for a few years and the government then sees it to them and then they they build regular houses hmm. yeah um Okay, let's so you say our... look like, would you say this is a poorer country than Mexico? Than Mexico, I, I don't I, I don't know. The area I was in uh looked a little bit like Manhattan, <laughs> you know, like like high class yeah. uh, upper west side, but the rest of Peru is very poor. I can't compare it to the poorness in Mexico, but I can definitely understand why they want to come here. Did they tell you um, if the crime was is the crime bad there? Everybody's behind a uh, a fence. (laughs) Every factory has a guard. It's like that. (laughs) Yeah, you have to. Unlike in the United States, it's not. It's not. I didn't see any crime, and Baruch Hashem, I was walking around in the area I was. It was safe, but uh, Mm -hmm. there's certain areas that you wouldn't want to walk. But that's true in Baltimore too, in New York also. Right. You know. Okay, this is interesting. In, In that actually, in that convenience store, here's product that's made uh, under the OU. You can see over here on the bottom left. Uh, these are crackers. But the interesting thing is OU, D-E, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is a whole discussion of itself. People will know, people who are in cautious and know about cautious will know that D-E means dairy equipment, which means that you can't eat these with meat, but you can eat them after meat. And it's not in common use, this symbol in the United States, yeah, although it's making it's making, making a comeback. comeback, yeah, yeah, making a comeback a little bit with the OU and maybe with the Star K, but it's it's, but you know, it's just interesting to see that that uh, unusual you see, know, like that, yeah. What? yeah, I mean, just to yeah. see it, it's made, it's, it's made there, uh, you know, and I guess it's, they made, import, it's made in Peru, uh-huh. made in Peru, and I guess they import it to the United States, 
Um, and that's why it's here. Huh. Okay. Same okay. mashkech that we use. What's that? Same mashkech that we use, I assume. I, possibly. Uh, okay. This is. These are little taxis that are all over the place. They'll take you from place to place. Not everybody has a car, and they'll take you from place to place um, for a, a soul or two soul, which is like twenty five cents or fifty. If you cents. go to Atlantic City, yeah, or one of these places that have a boardwalk, City, when I was a kid, yeah, they have these little things, similar, very similar. They call them jitneys. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Jokingly, I asked uh, my mashkiach, uh, mashki, you know, where's the air conditioning? I know that there yeah. isn't. He said, well, it depends how wide you open the window. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's continue. Um, okay, this is like just on the street for sale, you know, this old car. It's it's not a collector's item. It's just an old car. If you want a car and you don't have one. I, I, don't, I don't think you would see this. In the United States, I think this would be a collector's item. Where is this made? Where is it made? Yeah. I'm not a bucky in cars, so I don't know. I'm trying to it's, recognize it. Just it caught my like eye. Like, what? A foreign. Looks like it's, I don't think it's an American car. You would never see this in America, you know, for sale sign on a car like this. Yeah, that's true. Pesha says she's translating that to cracker box for us. High in sodium, and it says <laughs> avoid excessive consumption. Oh, on the cracker box. <laughs> okay. So they're warning signs. Signs, but you know, in Israel they have that too. In Israel, um, right. a lot of the packaging says um, high in, in in sodium and high in fats. I have a friend who told me. I have a friend who told me only buys those things because they taste good. But that'll be coming to a. Yeah. That'll be coming to. Can be coming here soon also. I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, let's continue. Uh, now, as far as kosher food for the for the for the from people, there isn't a kosher store. It's not like you have, you know, uh, Seven Mile Market or Evergreen or wherever it's kosher store you have. Um, there isn't a kosher store to buy. So they they buy either products like we saw that are in a, imported in a regular supermarket. They have a shochtim that come to shecht meat for them. They have um so they have butcher shops or no i don't think so i think they have a shochet when instead they have a shochet that comes to shech for them and then they someone and who, I guess, who cashes you know, it i mean who processes it for them maybe I the know, I, I guess i don't know they must have people doing it there because they bring in the shochet mm -hmm. um and then um they told me at chabad you could get uh, meals they used to have a restaurant under this this kosher israelite hechsher but since uh, covid has closed down and now you can order from them. So like you order on Friday and they'll deliver it. And then, you you know, they have special delivery days. It's certainly not as convenient as, as living. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, mean, but but they're, but they're, they're not starving. They're not starving. They have food. They have everything they need. Yeah. And, you know. You get any fresh vegetables and, and all right, that stuff, fruits right. and whatever. Bread and eggs and everything, you know. I mean, and, bread, and, I mean bread is, is usually hard. I mean, bread can sometimes be hard to find here in the States. Depending on where you are. Well, well, they have th th this 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 store that closed down still bakes bread and delivers it. So fresh you order, bread. yeah, uh -huh. fresh bread, yeah. And uh, you know, this, 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 chalas and chavis, exactly. Chalas they have, chalas. they have definitely enough uh, to eat. They're not starving, but it doesn't have the conveniences of living uh, living you know over here. Okay. Um, let me see what else we have. Okay. The only tourist thing, touristy thing I did do, and with this I think we'll end our tourist part of it and go to some, some halacha, is I asked I asked uh, our mashkiach to take me to a place I could buy some tchotchkes or some you know souvenirs. Uh, and so we this place, which is, you can see all these stores, there may be, it's just one row of it, like maybe 50 stores um, where you can buy different things, sort of like the Arab shuk in, in Israel. Right. Or, they're or, all made in China. <laughs> very likely. And, and then here's one close-up of that. I'm still waiting for my souvenir. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is, you can see, you have the Inca things over here and all these. Yeah. And what, 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 what's really sad is, is, is that, um, what's really sad is, that there's no no tourists and there's nobody there and the no to buy anything yeah the, the the ladies who are manning these stores are you know 
are walking over like, you know, they're desperate for somebody to buy something. You know, I, I just feel bad that, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't make any... They, they, it's hard to make a living. Clearly very difficult for them. Yeah, how do they make a living? So the standard of living there is very low. They told me that the average person, um, average worker, makes $500 uh, a month. A month? Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, $500 a month, right. Yeah. Well, that's more so than like I expected, actually. Five, six hundred, five, six thousand dollars a year. I said, how could they make it on that? So they said, well, there are a few people in the family working. I mean, the rent must be, I mean, everything must be a bit lower than, I mean, I'm assuming, right? I guess it depends again where you live. I don't think right. you can live in, in this from area on that uh, salary at all. Right. So right. But you can understand how someone who comes to America makes uh, Aliyah, right, to America, and yeah. then makes 50000 or $60,000 a year, you know, sends back twenty, thirty thousand dollars. That's a huge amount for them. Yeah. So that was that was a little uh, a, a sad part is seeing this uh, this um, um, you know this empty uh, shook. Okay. So I think with all of my uh, my tourist uh, tour, and uh, if we have time at the end, we'll talk more about some shechiona fruits that I, I was able to eat there. But now let's move down. Let's move on to the uh, the the, the uh, next part, which is the reason I was there was to visit this chocolate factory that Starke uh, certifies over there, and the big the big chiddush, uh, the the novel thing about that factory is that it's all kosher parv. So it's unusual to have an all kosher. There isn't any milk that's in that facility not not like a different part of the facility not a different yeah. you know a different floor there isn't any milk we're not kashering any any utensils there there is no milk in that it's all power which is an unusual there are only a number of them uh that are kosher power in the world you have one rabbi buyer also i right? mentioned yeah in in also in peru it's there's in another peru. one. Oh, really i think it's in peru or it's in peru or Chile. I you said it's in brazil no it's not brazil oh no. in peru okay yeah all right, in Peru. Okay, I could have visited both. <laughs> uh, they're not exactly close to each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's take let's look a little bit at the at the chocolate production process, and uh, then we'll discuss different questions about it. So let's look over here. Rabbi Bayer picked up these YouTubes, which I'll be able to show you. If you cannot see YouTubes, I apologize. Uh, I'm sorry about that. I know some of the, the browsers, they block it, but um, this is what we have. Okay, let me move this to over here. Yep. Oh. Okay. So we'll just take a look at some of this for about a minute or so. Buy one. With temperatures in the high 30s, this is hot, hard work. And each of these workers will harvest 1,500 cocoa pods a day. Once the workers have piled up the pods, they're hauled off for processing on another part of the plantation. Extracting the seeds is also done by hand. Where is it? This is in Malaysia, I think, not in Peru. I just want to make sure everybody can hear. One would buy a tomato, four a pumpkin, and if you really wanted to flash your cash, 100 would get you a turkey. Pause it a second. As the local please. wildlife will tell you, the slippery membrane. Can 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 the, can the viewers hear this while we're playing it? Okay, good. Okay, great. So those the the, the those pods they call them the yeah. they're basically the fruit of the cocoa tree. The fruit of the cocoa tree, and then the the, the beans or the seeds basically are the are the cocoa beans. And they come out all slimy looking from the pod. We're going to see that now, right? Yeah. Membrane may taste sweet, but the seeds inside are hard and extremely bitter. Turning them into a tasty treat means leaving them to ferment in vats for six. So these are the, these are the cocoa beans. They're right. uh, like you said, they're moist and six slimy. Days. This breaks down the bitterness and starts to release the essential chocolate flavors. Now, there's, there's a lot of similarities after between, just the right um, amount of fermentation they're laid out in the sun making and slowly drying making. out the unwanted what'd you say there are similarities between cocoa 
making and coffee making oh, I see. at this okay. stage. Uh -huh. Also, from, the beans are fermented and, and allowed to dry. Yakov says it looks like they're full of bugs. <laughs> well, well, that was just that one. Uh... At that, at that one <laughs> bug there. But, yeah. you know, at the end in the chocolate, there's not going to be any bugs. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not a problem. Right. Right. The bugs wouldn't travel along with all this processing. It's impossible. <laughs> um, but you may, you know, if you looked at the uh, cucumbers in the field, you'd also see bugs on them. But, uh, right. you know, you, you wash them off and they're not. Uh, they're, exactly. If you're squeamish, then, yeah, you have a problem eating. <laughs> exactly. Um, so here you see that this is they're they're, they're drying out the cocoa uh, beans and leaving behind raw dark cocoa beans ready to be turned into chocolate. Okay, so that's that's that uh, video, um, and um, I I just okay. Steve says he has audio but no video on the YouTube. I'm not sure no. why that is, but um, I'm not sure. Okay. But, um, you know, you could see that it comes off a tree. And uh, actually, I guess now I want to discuss this, uh, this issue of what the bracha is on, on chocolate. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a product of a tree. And not only that, this is basically the only use for it is to make it into chocolate. So the halacha is that when... Uh, that's its use, even though it's a, a you know creamy substance, it's a liquid, uh, it, it, it becomes, it gets the bracha of ha'etz. And so the, 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 the question that we have is, why is everybody making a shahako on chocolate when really technically it should be a baripriya ha'etz? Because this is, it's the chocolate that you eat is its fruit. It's not used for anything else. So you're saying that, so you're saying even though it's been changed from Right, completely changed from what it started out as, mm -hmm. but the chocolate itself is considered to be the the pre, the fruit of the tree. Yes, right. Thank you. Right. That's that's what we're saying. That's what many are 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 uh, you know wondering why we should make uh, uh, chocolate. And there are actually some poskim who say that it is oats, and you should make oats on it. Bracha um, mm -hmm. and um. Uh, other, others say no because there's so much else mixed with it. Actually, if you look at your chocolate bar, probably the first ingredient is sugar. And sugar, we make a shahakal on, although that itself is a question. That's but another we do, question. <laughs> we do make a shahakal on it, right? Uh, so maybe because the main ingredient is sugar. That's a very difficult logic to accept because really you're not eating the chocolate because the sugar because it's chocolate. Uh, and it, it's one of those things where it's very you difficult. You wouldn't eat to... the chocolate without the sugar, though. Right. Most probably. Right, that's some true. people use it without the sugar, but most that's people true, don't. But you you really want the the chocolate flavor, right. and it's hard to the sugar is just to give flavor to the chocolate, not the other way around. Right. So it's hard. That's a hard logic to accept. So th the bottom line is that we make shahakal on it, and um, and even though it's difficult halachically to explain why why that why that would be, um, at least we don't have to wash on it. So. Uh, <laughs> right. Right. Although that might help my diet, you know. <laughs> okay. Cut down on the consumption. Um, okay. Um, I just want to mention uh, we do have joining. I, I think we have on the on the webinar of a buyer uh, yeah. one of our clients in Dubai. Oh. Who was interested in making chocolate under the star K Shihab. And uh, so that's an interesting uh, guest that we have. Uh, they don't um, grow chocolate in Dubai, as far as I know. I'm not sure if they grow anything in Dubai <laughs> besides oil. Yeah. Abraham is asking that the cocoa bean is not edible without processing. No, it's not. Uh, you can't eat cocoa beans. No one should have a problem with a shear. Uh -huh. If what? Yako said that uh, if you have to have a certain shear of chocolate, oh, if you have, have to eat it, because to make a bracha chrona, right, yeah. right. Okay, let's take a look at it. Let's go to another uh, video that shows us the further processing of the uh, of the the yes, the bracha shahakal. The bottom line is, even though we don't understand hundred percent the bracha shahakal, I I don't know anyone who makes a eats on it. Although I know svarim that say you should. <laughs> the minig is by and law is is definitely to make a uh, a shahakal on it and that's what we do but it's a little bit of a halachic uh, problem okay let's look at the 
this video is a little bit longer and uh, hopefully you'll be able to see this as well. Let's go to this video. It shows you the process better than we can explain it. Let me see if I can make the, uh, the volume um, louder. But, okay. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make the volume louder. And let's see if that helps. So we're going to take this and watch just a couple of minutes of the processing of, of chocolate. And then we'll discuss the different halachas that apply to it. Through a cleaning system, a series of sieves that screen out twigs, stones, and other debris. Next stop is a micronizer, a revolving drum that heats the cocoa beans to loosen their shells. Then they enter a shell-removing machine called a winnower. Inside, successive rakes drag the beans across screens, pulling off large pieces of shell. Then, a vacuum sucks away the remaining smaller pieces. Removing the shell exposes the inside of the cocoa bean, which is called the nib. The factory will roast the nibs to develop their flavor. 50-plus percent of the nib is fat, which is cocoa butter. To make chocolate, they'll combine processed nibs, cocoa butter, and sugar, along with milk powder, if they're making milk chocolate. First, the factory processes the nibs by grinding them. The heat and friction activate the cocoa butter, producing pure liquid chocolate called chocolate liquor. The factory extracts some of the cocoa butter to sell it separately as chocolate-making ingredient and to use for in-house chocolate production, along with other ingredients in various proportions. The dark chocolate recipe, for example, calls for more chocolate liquor, sugar, and cocoa butter, but no milk powder. The recipe for unsweetened chocolate contains no sugar. The mixer blends the ingredients to the consistency of a very thick cake batter. The flavor is fine by this point, but the coarse texture needs to be smoothed out. So the chocolate moves to a refining machine, passing between a set of five rollers that reduce the particle size, so much so that within just minutes, the chocolate leaves the refiner as a fine pause, dry powder. I just yeah. maybe want to mention that um, you see over here that the, that the dairy powder and the, you know, so the sugar, whatever, added at this early stage in the production where, okay. there's, some, where there's some heat involved right. in the production. Which it, is where you actually, get the kosher's questions come in. Right. It actually is very hot. It can be very hot. It is very hot in the right. conch. Yeah. Okay, let's keep going. But now it needs to be reliquified. So the next stop is a machine called a conch. The friction and heat once again activate the cocoa butter, returning the powder to a liquid state. At this point, they add more cocoa butter, enough to reduce the viscosity to the exact thickness they need. Just a bit, for example, if they're making chocolate chips, or much more if they're making a thin chocolate coating. For chocolate chips, the conch feeds a machine called a drop depositor. As the name implies, it deposits drops of chocolate onto a conveyor belt. The nozzle trays are interchangeable so the machine can be set up to produce various sizes of chips, disc, or other shapes. The chocolate chips, still warm and soft, enter a cooling tunnel, traveling for about five minutes through several temperature zones, which vary between 30 and 50 degrees Fahrenheit. By the time the chips exit the tunnel, they're hard. Okay, the rest will just be packaging and things like that. Okay, I think we got the the uh, the uh, the gist of it. Um, I'm not sure they showed the part where. What's amazing about uh, ch chocolate, actually, right, Rabbi Bar, you know this, but the, the cocoa butter that they they get out of it, um, they press under the the, the, the chocolate mm. goes under a extreme amount of pressure, and. Um, and that brings out the uh, the cocoa butter, which are they, I think they did show that. that they like show that, yeah. Oily substance, um, which is solid at, at, at room temperature. And um, th that, that has uses on its own.
but then they add it back into the chocolate at the percentage that they want to give the chocolate the right uh, consistency. And that's actually what they use to make white chocolate. There is no such thing as white chocolate. Chocolate is right. not white. It's, uh, it's brown. But they use the cocoa butter with sugar and flavoring to, right. to make what they call uh, white, white chocolate. Um, cocoa butter is completely powder. It's, even though it's called butter, there's nothing to do. It's just, you right. know, it's not, not it's the fat not, of the bean. Right. The right. fat of the bean. Right. And uh, and then they, they put it back in to give it, you know, for the, whatever they were trying to make. So for different percentages, they, they play with the chocolate, right? Everybody, they depends if you want to have 55 percent uh, cocoa, 70 percent. Right. I mean, now it's become like a health thing. That was. They say that they say that chocolate has a lot of health benefits, whatever flavonoids or different things that that are in the chocolate on a you know micronutrient level. But the higher the cocoa percentage usually the better it is so that's why you know you go into some stores you see like fancy brands or whatever mm -hmm. um 70% cocoa that's considered right. like really high um, right it is well, wouldn't that it, be more it, that would be more bitter right could be i mean i guess you could add bitter a lot sweet. of sugar to it too bitter sweet or whatever but it's supposed to be healthier and uh that they, they sell that for a lot of money those those extra extra high cocoa right content uh bars right Okay, so again, in this factory that I visited, uh, there is no um, there is no koshering, there's no milk, there's no need for koshering. But in a lot of other factories around the world, uh, they they make milk chocolate as well, and they add milk, and it's hot. The process is hot, and the conch it gets hot, and uh, and so the conch is just a, basically a blender. <laughs> They're blending everything together right. to make it give it the, give it the uh, bring so out the friction. The, the, the friction has the heat. Uh, are you is sure? It, I think is they it added, heated. They added, added heat also. I think okay. so. Yes, there's added heat. I think there's added heat, um, and so it can get up 150 degrees. I think. Um, uh, Mrs. Pollock says it's 85 percent chocolate. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. There you go. <laughs> uh, I don't think that would be too sweet, but maybe the 15 percent. I guess there's got to be cocoa butter in there plus sugar. Right. So uh, so the thing is that you want to, if you want to make pirate chocolate on the same equipment that you made uh, dairy chocolate, so then you have to kosher it. You have to purge out the dairy uh, part of it. Now, the thing is that, that normally the way you would kosher would be with water. You would clean the equipment. You would uh, put boiling water in there. And that would cost you like you cost you any other piece of equipment. But the problem is that water and chocolate <laughs> do not mix. Why, Rabbi Bai? What happens if you have water and chocolate? Um, it causes the chocolate to, I think they call it blooming or something. It basically ruins the chocolate. It ruins the it, chocolate, right? Yeah. Even a little bit of chocolate and a big amount, a little bit of a water. A little bit of water. Big, a little bit of water and a big right. amount of chocolate will ruin it. It's a big And uh, so yeah. the companies are very afraid that. Even if even if you you clean it, you know you you, you kosher it with the water, and then you get rid of the water, there'll still be some water there, and that's going to ruin their chocolate. And many companies do not allow koshering uh, with with water, uh, so they kosher with something other than water, what we call sharmashkim, something other than water, some other liquid that the Ramah says in Shulchan Aruch that bidiyeved it works that if you kosher, let's say with oil. Bidiyevid, it would be okay. Uh, you know, it's second best. Uh, if you did it, it would be considered kosher. Uh, since the Ramah says that it's only Bidiyevid, second best, you know, if you did it, Star K does not allow that. So any Star K chocolate is either made in the factory that's all parv. Star K parv chocolate. Star K parv chocolate on equipment that's all always parv or that is koshered with water. Um and we, we, I have another chocolate place where they, they kosher with water and, you know, they, 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 they don't care. They, after they put the water through, they push cocoa, cocoa butter through. So they get rid of the water that was there and, uh, and they're willing to do it. I know we have a local chocolate maker over here in Baltimore. Um, they don't make it from the bean, but they, they use already made chocolate. They melt mm -hmm. it and they make different, uh, different items. But about once a year, I think, or so, they they might wash the equipment with water. Mm -hmm. um, and when they do that, they take it all apart, and it's a very careful, and they they make sure to dry it very carefully, also. Right. 
but it does occasionally okay. hits you know has some water going on it right so let's go through some of the halachic arguments why it would be allowed to kosher with uh, with uh, with either um, uh, chocolate or kosher with uh, cocoa butter why why would you why would you not want to do it why what are the pros and cons so let's start with the cons so those that argue against it they say that the Ramah says it's only bidiavid it's only uh, acceptable if you already did it it's not something that's acceptable on the first uh you know it's, it's not something you should really be doing um and even if you'll say that well we have no other choice this is all the company allows well who says that you have to make chocolate in that factory make chocolate in a factory that's all parv or 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 use parv don't have chocolate milk. don't have milk <laughs> chocolate or don't eat chocolate right <laughs> so who allows you to consider the bidiavid situation mm. as something you must do who needs it right there is part there is real parv chocolate out there go get that um, the other issue is, is that they 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 kosher with the uh, with the cocoa butter in a in an oily uh, state, or they could kosher with chocolate. At least they're asking. They could kosher with chocolate that's hot, or cocoa butter that's hot. The problem they don't that, they don't use that chocolate afterwards for for kosher or for bar, right, obviously. Is, right, correct. The problem is is there is a question whether that's really considered a liquid because at room temperature it will solidify. So how can you call it a liquid when if you just you know put it into a cup, it would be solid. It would be cocoa butter would 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 solidify. The chocolate would solidify. Is that really called a liquid at all? And uh, some argue that that's not even called a a a liquid. It wouldn't even it wouldn't even be a koshering even by the evidence. It's no good at all. Uh, uh, those that do kosher with with uh, chocolate or cocoa, cocoa, cocoa butter. Again, it's not the star K, but others do. Um, and they argue that it is a liquid now. You look at it, you see it's a liquid. It's cocoa butter in the oily state, or it's chocolate in the oily, in the, in the liquid state. And for the sake of argument, you could say water also freezes and becomes ice. <laughs> so that's a solid too. I mean, <laughs> anything can be... become a solid, but the <laughs> question is, you know, in its natural, normal state of, right. You know, right. where the, the way we live is a liquid or a solid. And, and some say, you're right. It, it, now it's a liquid, so it's okay. To, it's okay, at least with the avid tikasher. Um, there are other uh, there are other reasons that, that is put forth to say that you can kosher with, with chocolate. And that is that maybe it doesn't really need koshering because the, the percentages of milk in there are, are very, it's not that high. And the percent of chocolate that you'd be running as par is, is very high, so there's always more than 60 times the amount. So there's a whole, it's not for this kind of discussion, but there's a logic that maybe it doesn't really need koshering. It's called mishtamish b'shefa for those that learned Yeridea, and it doesn't really need koshering. So therefore, if we kosher already with, uh, with uh, you know, with chocolate or sharmashkim, that would be okay. Um, a lot of European chocolate is koshered with, is pa, that's pariv, is koshered sharmashkim. with Sharmashkin yeah. with other liquids. So if it's something that you that you want to avoid, you should look into it. Call the hechsher and ask them whether they kosher with uh, you know with other other uh, liquids. We have or not. A, we have a part of one though. I think I believe Star K has one from Europe. We have one from Europe. That's all. That's either I right. think it's made on it's made on all par. Either right. It's all par. Our equipment. par factor is something. I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to promote the star K, but the bottom line is if it has a star K and it's parv, it's not kashered with anything you, you can other than the star K, water it's okay. or it's made. What's that? You can promote the star K. It's, uh... I know. It's our show, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're allowed to. We don't usually, we try to give everybody equal footing over here. This is not a, this is an apolitical show, Rabbi Bayer. Nah. Not, uh... Mrs. Mrs. Pollock is listening though, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... M M Mrs. Pollock is Dr. Pollock's wife. First, the first lady of the Star K. <laughs> first lady, right? Yeah. Very good. Okay. Um, okay. So, if there are any other questions about the koshering, we could take them now. Or if you have any other questions about anything else, we'd be happy to to discuss that. But that is in an in, in a nutshell, everybody. That's the story with uh, with koshering for uh, koshering and the bracha on the. Chocolate. Okay, let's move to one more topic. My last topic, which is uh, getting back to the touristy part. I had some fruits there in Peru, which were quite interesting. Here's 
one called the Chiramoya. You could see it. Uh, you could see it through the plastic here. It's a. It, it, it's a very interesting fruit. I mean, I never. They don't export it. it. They told me that it can't withstand the export. It's a very sensitive skin. And then when you cut it open, um, you get you get this. This is inside, so it has large seeds, and the fruit is like sweet. Is it? And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And since I I never had that before, I made actually a shechianu. Now shechianu is a problem in the United States because there is no real season, according to Rabbi Heinemann and according to many poskim. The fruits are available at all all the time through through the year. Either they grow in America, or they bring them from Brazil, or they bring them from the other side of the world, from wherever, and you can get them all year, like uh, plums. Okay, there is a season for plums, but if they're not available in America, they'll bring them from South America. So it, it's hard to say that there's, that, you know, it's a new, right. a new fruit. It's, it's never new. On, on unique on unique fruits. That's why they bring in all these strange fruits uh, on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah time. Right, but on Rosh Hashanah, on the second night, you make a brach even if you don't have a new fruit. So it's not something that right. really has to be a new fruit. They bring sometimes this, what they call a star fruit, right? Star which fruits is, and all other strange star fruit, which is like bitter. I don't know why we're eating that on Rosh right. Hashanah. Lychees, uh, lychees. Yeah, right. Different, but different. Things. It, but if those are available all year, then you wouldn't make a bracha uh, on them. Even if you bracha. personally haven't haven't had it right. in a year, right? If they're available all year in the stores, the regular store, you wouldn't make a bracha on it. But this is this is not available all year, and it's not even available all year in Peru. So this, I made a bracha on that, and then they also brought me another. Uh, fruit. This is called uh, sweet cucumber, which is nothing doesn't look like a cucumber at all. Uh, it's also tastes good, and I made another shechiano on that one. It's also in season down there now, and is not available in the United States at all, as far as I can tell. And uh, and then I I made a um, I made a joke that when I came back to America, I made another shechiano that I am able to live in. <laughs> <laughs> in a large community with all the amenities, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so these, 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 these are. It's difficult to find the fruit in the United States that we could actually say that you should make a shechiona one. Dried fruit, for sure, you do not make a shechiona because you can this have. It's it. almost like a tomato. Does it have the same consistency like a tomato? I think it. I think it might. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They call it a sweet cucumber for some reason. It doesn't mm -hmm. taste like a tomato, but. Yeah. Okay. If you have dried fruit, you do not make a shechianu for sure not because that uh, you can it's it it stays from season to season, you know. If you have a uh, a smoothie with fruit, you don't make a shechianu because again you could refrigerate it and keep it uh, you know almost freeze it, keep it forever fresh. So it, it's difficult to find a a real shechianu fruit in the United States. So I think it's worthwhile to travel down to South America once in a while to be able to make. <laughs> Make a uh, make a shechianu on it. Okay, so that uh, I think brings us to the end of our our discussion, Rabbi Bayer. No questions. No one had any questions. No, there's okay. no. They all we explained it very well, and that's it. So we're, uh, I want to mention if you have any questions about this or any other kashrus topic, you can reach us at four one zero four eight four four one one zero, or you can email email us info at star k dot org. And uh, make sure you ask for Rabbi Bayer. <laughs> um, yep. And uh, uh, yes, there is no store in Peru. That's what I'm saying. Is except what, what's no, the next? There is, uh, there is what's no the store. next? Uh, what What's the next uh, location we're going to? The next location? <laughs> I don't know. Our travel log sure. series here. Yeah, travel series. We had yeah. Rabbi, Rabbi Rabbi. You can find our old webinars, and this one will also be archived on our website. And also on Vimeo, if you search Vimeo for a star, star K certification, you'll find the uh, you'll find the the uh, the old webinars. And uh, we had Rabbi Rabbi Holland on about his trip to Dubai a few months ago, which is was very interesting. Actually, I'd yeah. like to go there on the way. Dubai? Uh, yeah, it's very uh, interesting to see how other people live, how other Yidden live. How other goyim live? It's it's just interesting to me to you know to, and then you you appreciate what you have and uh, you can go to you know. downtown Baltimore and see that if you want. <laughs> you can see that. That's true, <laughs> right? 
and I, I learned a lot on the trip and uh you know it was uh it was yeah. it was i didn't really i wasn't a tourist and that's why when we sent out the email i put the word tourist in 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 quotes because i didn't really do any touring other than what i had to see for my uh, I, I went for this chocolate factory i also saw i think five or six other where, where was other the factory places. by the way I don't know if the you factory that. is if you let's go back to this uh to the picture we had over here um okay so you could see over here on the edge can you i'm not sure if you could see my my arrow here but this is peru on the edge of of south america yeah, i see where lima is you can't see the arrow Okay, you can see Lima. Okay, yeah. So Lima, Lima and Peru is like a long, skinny country, right. uh, like a hot pepper, um, on the edge of on the on the western edge West, of South, right. South America. And so to get to this plant, we drove three hours down the coast. Uh -huh. And so the whole time, the uh, which is actually a very modern road, but it, yeah. didn't, it wasn't always like that. They just redid it, and now they charge a toll. Right, it's privatized, like in many countries. Right, the, the the road is privatized. Oh, it's privatized, really. They charge a toll to get to get down there, and that's what you're paying for it to be able to drive on this on a nice uh, nice road. Um, huh. you know, but many of the other roads are, you know, full of potholes and not in the area. Again, not in the from area. In the from area, it's actually very nice, and everything is you you. It's high class, and all the embassies are there in the from area. In the from area. Yeah, that's where the embassies are, and uh -huh. uh, it's 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 actually very very, you know, very nice. But and the roads are fine, and there's their own they have their own police force. You know, it's uh, uh -huh. not a problem. I walk around with my yarmulke. No, uh, no, you know, there was any no there was no anti-Semitism that I could notice or tell. Um, oh, every everybody was very respectful of the rabbiner from uh, from America. Yeah, you know, and uh, it was fine. Simcha says he's been going to Dubai for seven, eight years for Kashris. Uh, there's not much there older than you, okay? <laughs> there's no, no history. That's a compliment. Uh, <laughs> okay. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Again, if you have any questions, you can email us, info at star-k.org. And you can uh, also check out our website, star-k.org. There's a ton of information there. You can see our, our old archive, and we hope that you will join us next time. Thanks very right. much. Take care. All the Thank best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Be well. Bye-bye.